NatureClean has been making chemical-free cleaning products and personal care products since 1963. Their ingredients are naturally derived from plants and minerals for an effective yet environmentally friendly clean. Many products by NatureClean are approved by the USDA as being certified bio-based. All of their products are vegan and not tested on animals. Buy them online at natureclean.ca. Hi, I'm Andrea Donsky, founder of NaturallySavvy.com and co-host of our Naturally Savvy podcast. And I am Lisa Davis, MPH health educator, co-host of Naturally Savvy and author of the book, Clean Eating Dirty Sex Memoir Cookbook Healthy Lifestyle Guide. At Naturally Savvy, we are here to help you make healthier lifestyle choices. So we are so honored that you are tuning in to listen to our podcast on a weekly basis. And we are here to engage you, have fun, and help you live your healthiest lifestyle. Now, on to the show. Hi, I'm Lisa Davis. So glad you're listening to Naturally Savvy Radio. You know, Andrea and I have talked about body image and we have different issues we struggle with. For me, and I know you've heard me say it before, I'm very, I'm very honest. It's this, it's it's not weight. It's skin laxity. I need to find a way to be confident and not be self-conscious when I'm not, like for right now, I'm not wearing sleeves and I'm wondering, you know, I wonder what our guest is thinking. Well, she's super positive. She's super body positive. She is just what I need and so many other women need. She is Elizabeth Marbury. She has the Confident Body Program and also, is it the Confident Body Podcast? Confident Feminine Body Podcast and Program. I forgot the word feminine. Sorry about that. Okay, Elizabeth. See, I was like looking. I'm like, oh, God. Okay, let me hide. No. Don't worry. I know. It's a lot of words. Whenever I tell people the podcast name, it's like their brain is like, what? There's too many words. Right. <laughs> but it's it's so good to have you on. And I think that body image is tough. Aging is tough. I flip and hate the whole anti-aging industry. I don't even, like, why are we like, I'm glad I want to live to be old, right? And yeah, I want to look good too, but I don't want to get hung up on the things that are out of our control, right? And I'd love for you to, to address that. And also tell us how you came to this whole way of thinking. Yeah. So first of all, I just want to thank you for having me. I'm excited to connect with you and talk about body image and and feeling confident in who we are as our bodies change, as we age and all of that. So I'm Elizabeth and how I landed here is I was, I grew up as a dancer and I went to college for dance and I was a professional dancer. And so I remember from a really young age of maybe 11, maybe earlier than that, just looking in the mirror all of the time, you know, being in the dance studio five, six days a week, you're literally looking at yourself in the mirror all the time. And I remember from a really young age, just starting to compare my body to other bodies in the room and that scarcity energy, that scarcity mindset of, well, I wish I had her legs or I wish I had her butt or her boobs or, and so what happened for me is in high school and then it really escalated in college. I went to college in New York city to pursue dance. And at that time I was really struggling with disordered eating So for me, my pattern was um, really binge eating. And what that would look like is I would wake up in the morning and I would feel like I had to be really controlling of my food. I had to count my calories because as a dancer, I was trying to be as small as I possibly could be. And I felt like I wasn't as small as I should be. And so I used food and I used exercise too as a punishment 
for, you know, trying to, it was like always trying to balance the scales. Like if I ate, if I ate a muffin, okay, now I have to go run five miles. And it was, it, it, it was, it led to just me feeling like a really deep sense of low self-worth, low self-esteem. And during that time too, I would, um, so I would do, I, I, I never fully restricted food. Like I wasn't anorexic. I would always eat, but there was a lot of mental restriction around, I should eat this or I shouldn't eat that. Or if I ate that, it was really bad. Or if I ate that, it was really good. So I was in this binary thinking of everything is black and white. And so what would happen is at, at the end of the day, I would, you know, after all of that mental restriction all day, I would say, okay, I'm going to be bad and I'm going to let myself have one or two cookies. And then I, I would just binge. I would eat the whole bag of cookies and then I'd eat the whole, I'd eat like five bowls of cereal. And it was, it was a horrible feeling of feeling so out of control. And then it further reinforced the cycle of, I can't be trusted with my body. Surely I can't be trusted. So now I'm going to wake up tomorrow and I'm going to be good again. And I'm going to now watch everything I eat. I'm going to work out better. And it was this horrible cycle. And so it's been a journey of healing my relationship with food, healing really that sense of where I was at, where I was really equating my worth to my weight. I was equating my worth to how many guys hit on me at the club that night. I was equating my worth to all of these external factors. And so it was, it was, you know, over a decade of, of inner work, you know, through therapy, through coaching and really coming into a place where I am now where I operate from a place of feeling really rooted in my self-worth. And what's really beautiful about that is that my sense of worthiness, it, it has absolutely nothing to do with my appearance. It has nothing to do with how much money I have in my bank account right now or how much I'm going to have tomorrow. And I try to... So a lot of what I do with my clients and my Confident Feminine Body program is I help them to really, it's, it's really a remembering of, of who they are without all of these outside factors, right? Because we live in a society that really praises us for all of these external things. And I love that you brought up the ageism piece too, because I was actually just in a room on Clubhouse where all of these women were praising each other for, oh, well, you don't look too old. You actually look way younger. And and that was a, a thing to be celebrated. And I actually chimed in and I said, it, there's nothing wrong with complimenting each other. And I think it's great that we're giving each other love. But I was like, every time that you do that, you're basically saying that a person that looks older is not okay. Right. And, and I feel like as women, we need to be aware of, about how we talk because if you're praising me for being thin, how's how, what you're saying is that a thin person is, is better than a bigger person, right? Yep. And so I think really being aware of how we speak is really important because I think, I think without even knowing it, like a, subconsciously, we are reinforcing this paradigm that as women, we shouldn't get older. We shouldn't have any loose skin. We shouldn't have any wrinkles. We should have sex every day of our lives. Our, our house should be perfectly clean. We should be perfect mothers. We should be perfect business owners. 
right? And then we're just so freaking stressed out. We have all this pressure on ourselves. So I think it's really cool to kind of think about, okay, where does that pressure come from? Naturally Savvy Podcast is sponsored by Morphous for Menopause. Yeah, you know, I'm thinking about therapy and how important that is because you made such a huge transformation in your life. Was it, I'm guessing it was scary at first to let go of that control around food and your body. Yeah. Yeah. It was scary. It was scary because I felt like I, I couldn't be trusted around food like that. I, because of my binge eating disorder that I was just, it would always be out of control. And what's really interesting about that aspect. And it's so counterintuitive, but the more that we have mental and physical restriction and deprivation, it, the pendulum will absolutely swing the other way and you will overconsume. You will binge, right? And so yeah. it's very counterintuitive, but the more that you can really truly allow yourself to eat the food and you don't tie any moral virtue to your food, like food is just food, but we've been taught all of these morals around our food. And if, if you eat this, you're so bad. And if you eat <laughs> yeah. this, you're so good. And, and then it's like, and then we wonder why we can't just have a cookie, why we need to have five. It's like, it's because we're restricting. It's because what do I, you know, what do I, if I tell you, don't go hang out with that boy, he is very, he's not good for you. You are not allowed to go hang out with that boy. What are you going to do? You're going to sneak out your window and you're going to go hang out with that boy. <laughs> so in the beginning steps of therapy, you really had to, to face this. And what were some of the tools that helped you to get to where you are now? For people who are in your situation, what were some of the things you had to look at about yourself and things that you had to work on? That's a great question. So it was allowing myself to pause when I started to feel like, so a a huge mindset shift for me was that when I went into this negative spiral of starting to, let's say I was looking in the mirror and I started to just beat myself up. Maybe it was like all of a sudden I'm fixated on my thighs and I'm seeing the cellulite and I'm, and all of these horrible thoughts come up and my inner critic is really loud. One of the most powerful practices I've learned and I still teach to this day and I still, I still practice is I, when that's happening first, of course you have to be aware Like awareness is always the first piece. It's not that sexy, but you absolutely have to be aware. And then I pause and I ask myself, what am I really feeling right now? Because a lot of times our bodies are a metaphor for what we're, what we're actually feeling. Right. So, and we, and as women, we've been taught, like, just focus on the body. And that takes us away from, you know, going and doing all the things that we could do if we weren't spending, you know, eight hours a day hating our bodies. So it's, it's really a way that we are oppressed as women is when we put all of this time, money, energy into needing to fix our broken bodies. So that's, that's another discussion, but getting back into the tools. So just asking yourself, what is it that I'm really feeling? So maybe in that moment when I'm staring at my thighs, I'm feeling really disconnect. I realize that when I take a pause, I'm feeling tired. I'm feeling maybe really anxious. I'm feeling super anxious about 
my work or I'm feeling super anxious about my relationship or I'm feeling mom, I'm feeling a lot of mom guilt in that moment or like whatever it is, it could be anything, but just being able to hold space for what you're actually feeling. And then after that, pulling in compassion, pulling in, um, that sense of, okay, this is actually, this is what I'm feeling. Like, this is actually what's here right now. And I think, I think that practice is really helpful. The other practice, um, is cause we hear a lot about self-compassion and, and it's one of those things that it's easy to intellectualize. Like we know we should do it, but it's hard is, that voice that's that's berating your thighs, for example, that is your that is your inner critic, or you could call her whatever you want, like your saboteur or so, like your toxic feminine energy of like self sacrifice or whatever, however you want to call it. But it's that voice of of um, criticism. And so, what has been a powerful practice for me is to detach from that voice, and so. There's different ways of doing that, but one is when I was struggling with disordered eating is I had a very strong voice in my head around food, around my weight, around fitness. It was a very particular voice. It wasn't it wasn't there all the time. It was really strong in that way. And so I named that voice Edgar. <laughs> I like that. Yeah. I don't know why, but Edgar and, and he, it was a guy and he was so mean to me and what I would do, what, but why the naming was supportive to me and that won't be supportive to everybody. You could just call it your inner critic. You don't have to label it. But what, what that would do is when that voice would come up, I would say, Oh, there's Edgar again. Okay, interesting. So here's what what is important to to know about the inner critic work is that we're never trying to get rid of our inner critic. Our inner critic is a really crucial part of us and the inner critic is there to protect us. It's there to keep us safe. And it's developed over time because of our lived experiences. So it's our psychological experience in this world. It's also impacted by social oppressions and and society in general, right? So it can come from both places. But for me, that was a really powerful practice to label that. And then what I could do is then it becomes not, it's not me. Like Edgar is not my truth. You know, the I am not Edgar. Edgar is a passenger on my bus. And right now he's trying to drive my bus. But what I'm going to tell Edgar is, hey, I know that you're trying to keep me safe and I know you're trying to protect me. I've got this. I'm going to ask you to go sit at the back of the bus and I'm going to drive now. And so I feel like there's power. You can take your power back when, you re- when you're able to identify that that voice is trying to protect you and it doesn't need to drive the bus. You can drive the bus. Oh, that's so interesting because I my immediate thought was just kick his ass out, you know, just kick Edgar off the bus. Yeah. How, in what way do you think that inner critic is protecting protecting you or us I should say yeah so um so I'm trying to think of a specific example but maybe um when I am looking in the mirror and I'm in a dance studio and I'm comparing my body to all the other bodies in the room and that inner critic is saying oh my gosh you need to 
you know, do this, or you need to be more flexible, or you need to do this. Um, it's, it's trying to protect us in the sense that, for in that example, I am wanting to be accepted by others. I am wanting people to, to love me. I'm wanting to get attention. And so the inner critic is showing up as a way to get me those things, right? Like it's it's, interesting. Yeah. So, so that's just one example. Um, you could, maybe you could share something that your inner critic tells you, and then I could coach you through. Oh, that would be great. I really am struggling with, you know, skin laxity on my arms. When you look at that saggy skin, what comes up for you? Like, what is, what does that mean when, about you, when you, when you look at your body and you have saggy skin? I think for me, it means that, you know, I'm supposed to be, I feel like I'm supposed to be this beacon of health. I have, I've been in the health media field and health ed for 20 years plus, I guide people and help people through the shows and, and how to live your best life and be healthy. I always say you don't have to be a certain size. I'm super big into the health at every size movement. I think it's more about they're going to look at me. They're going to see me in a sleeveless dress and be like, are you really taking care of yourself? Because your arms look like you're 75. So when, when do you feel like was one of your earliest memories of being judged? Oh, it's terrible. And I, I, <laughs> this is a problem. See, I already have a background of not liking my body, uh, starting with my mother. So when I was about 11, my mother started in on me. Oh, you have such a beautiful little face and your nose is just too big for your face. And it's like, gee, thanks, mom. Like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with that? Right. Apologize. I actually swear on the show. I saved that for my active allyship. It's more than a hashtag because <laughs> it's very upsetting talking about racism. But you should check that show out. It's really good. At any rate, you know, like that wasn't helpful. So my mother kept nudging me and nudging me. And, and she's like, well, when you're 16, you get your nose done. And, and I didn't like my nose either. I'll be honest. I didn't like it. But I also just needed someone to say it's okay. And I remember I was at a bat mitzvah, a friend of mine. And one of my mom's friends came up to me and she said, uh, your mom told me about you're getting your nose fixed. And I'd like to say, please don't do it. You're beautiful just the way you are. And I looked at her and she had one of those 60s kind of looking nose job, the very little, the little tiny tip. That's what my mom wanted from me, which would have looked ridiculous. And what Mrs. Gittin had said to me, I really needed to hear from my mom. And I remember I got it done and they took the bandages off and she looked so disappointed. Like her whole face dropped because it was crooked and it was really swollen. So it looked worse than it had before. Now, I don't share this with many people, but I actually went, I didn't re-get it totally done because I didn't want to have it rebroken, but I had it enough where you have to really look at me and go, oh yeah, your nose is crooked. But it was really obviously crooked. And then I just felt worse about myself. Yeah. So I wonder, you just said it comes from my mother, right? Mm-hmm. So I wonder, so, so going back to that little girl who just wanted her mama to say, I think you're beautiful. And I wouldn't change a thing about you. Right. What, what, knowing everything that you know now, what would you say to that little girl? I I think I would have said, it's okay to not like your nose because I didn't like it either, but I, and it's okay not to want to fix it. 
And it's okay to just have a nose that's too big for your face and you've got beautiful green eyes and a wonderful personality and you're a good person and you have good values and you're lovely. So as an adult, you have the opportunity to mother that inner child that's still present and now showing up in your skin. Right. Right? Yeah. Is And every time... Every time that inner critic comes up, that particular one around your skin, maybe it would be helpful to identify it as, oh, there's that voice of my mom again coming through. Right. And therefore, again, and then you have a choice. Do you want to buy into that? Do you want to give power to that? Do you want to give that energy and truth? Because what is your truth? What is your truth? about your skin or your nose? Like, what is the truth about what makes you worthy as a human being on this planet? I would say my heart and my actions. Yeah, and you're doing so many incredible things. And what a gift to all of your, all of the people that you serve in the health field to be, to not have to be perfect right to not have to you know it's I think it's an opportunity to so so one of the I'm actually in a body image mentorship program with Summer Mm -hmm. in right now and she is incredible um but when we think about body image a lot of us think about like oh body image is when you look in the mirror and you're just like I love myself I think I'm so sexy and beautiful and and actually that is has nothing to do with body image. Body image is knowing that you your body is worthy no matter your appearance. That it's it's all based in self-worth. And so it's okay to not love every part of your body. The goal I think with body image work is not that you not that we're here to be like you have to love your saggy skin and then and then there's a part of you that's like but I don't love it, you know, or whatever. But it's more like getting a neutral energy around it. So it doesn't have that power over you. So you don't have that shame. And it sounds like from a really young age you were kind of taught to be to feel shame in your appearance. So of course that voice is still going to keep coming up. And then that's just an opportunity to kind of excavate down and, and really come another, when you were saying like what tools have supported me, it is like, it's, I call them your shadows. So like your shadow voice might be telling you, this skin is so ugly. Other people are going to think I'm not qualified to talk about health because I have this saggy skin. So that is a shadow. And then you would write on the left side, like your shadows, what is shadow saying? And then on the right side of the paper, you can write down your truth. So what is actually true about that statement? What's true is that I'm absolutely qualified to help people. What's true is that I'm a wonderful leader an advocate in this way, right? What's true is that I have so much lived experience and I can help and serve people. Like, so, so do you see what I mean? It's like getting into like, what's, what's true. I think that has been a game changer for me. Um, because it's not fun to be on the, like where I feel really good right now is that 
I feel like life is inevitably a roller coaster. Like there's days where I'm really high. There's days where I'm really low, but I have a sense of confidence that I'm always, I've always got my back. You know, I think that that's powerful is if everything was taken away from me, yes, I would be devastated, but I know I'm, I still got myself. That's amazing. Yeah. And it's just, it's just part of the, it's just a practice. It's all a practice. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yeah. I need to put these things into practice. You know, it's interesting. My mother died 26 years ago and when I went to live closer to her because she was sick. She had died of ovarian cancer at 57. And I was in my 20s at the time. And she, we were talking one day and she's literally like dying. And I said, I don't know how it came up, but I was like, you know, mom, I've never really been happy with, you know, the way my nose turned out. And she literally was like, oh my God, oh my God. Wow. Yeah, me neither. Like, I didn't freaking know. Right. She goes, let me, let your father and I pay for it to get it fixed. And I'm like, no. No, you're going to have to just accept that this is what it is. That sounds like you set an awesome boundary. Yeah. When she passed away, I went and I didn't refix it. I, they did a tiny, I mean, they could barely do anything without re-breaking it. And I'm like, I'm not going through that crap again. I was black and blue for weeks. Well, it sounds like you set a firm boundary with her. Like you were just like, nope, it's nope. my life. I get to decide. Right. Because I'm curious, like, the word powerlessness is coming up right now. Like, if you felt, like, it kind of sounds like you feel like that decision was made for you. And so I'm curious. Yeah, I'm very, I I hope, um, I would assume plastic surgeons out there make sure it's what the teenager, if it's a teenager. I think it should be 18 or over. But if you're a teen, I was 16. Like, literally just turned 16. And... Number one, I didn't like the surgeon. I told my mother that. I said, I don't, there's something about him I don't like. She goes, well, there's another one. And he did so-and-so's mm. nose. It turned out so good. But he's not, he's not going to be able to do it until the end of summer. It'll be too close to school and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay. So I didn't like the doctor. That was your intuition. Your intuition. And that's why you are so wise, is your intuition knew something was off. Right? I just didn't feel right. Yeah, I, I feel like you should join my, my 12-week program. I think I, I, think really I should join you. your 12-week program, too. Yeah, I um, really, like, because there's, because, I mean, what I just walked you through today is, like, like crazy high-level stuff, but there's just, there's patterns, there's history, there's there's a lot. Trauma. Yeah, there's, there's a lot to excavate, and that's, and... It's hard to do that on your own. It's really hard to do that on your own because you just well, kind of get in your, in your own way. You get in well, your own way. About, you do get in your own way. Well, tell us about your 12-week program. Yeah. So it is um, a three-month container of support. And basically in that program, we do, we, we do a lot of work around setting boundaries because a lot of women fall into that self-sacrifice of just prioritizing everyone else's needs, wants, desires above their own. And so part of what I do is helping women to free their voice and speak their truth. And, and part of that is setting boundaries, right? Just as you shared the story with your mom, it's like 
you you had to free your voice and say like this is this is the line I'm drawing right so there's boundary work we do a lot of work around body image and healing our relationship with our bodies um so that way so a lot of that work is just is helping you to excavate you know all the limiting beliefs all of the learned patterns, stories that a lot of us identify with. We think that that's our truth. We think that that's just like who we are and I guess take it or leave it. And people are always amazed at this work because a lot of this stuff is on the subconscious realm. Um, So uh, we bring all of that up to the surface. It sounds scary, but it's actually quite fun. I mean, some of it is really hard, but we have a lot of fun too. I mean, you know me, I like to have fun. Oh yeah. Um, I love your videos. You're so fun. (laughs) I love when you show people easy dance moves. I'm like, I can even do these. These are awesome. Yes. Yes. So we do work on the limiting beliefs. We do um, a lot around body image. And then part of the 12 weeks is, intuitive eating. So if you are still having, you know, strict rules around food or you feel like you can't be trusted around food, intuitive eating is definitely how I was able to heal my relationship with food. Um, so that's a part of it. And we just, we go into a lot of different things, but honestly, what, what the magic of it is we have two, it's a very small group of women that are in the program. So all of these women are, going through this with you and it's really amazing because we have two calls a week and so what you do is you bring you bring your struggle to the call so you would say like I feel like I'm fixating on my arms and I'm really beating myself up and then we're able to have those massive breakthroughs um on the call so there's there's so much I mean there's a lot of different things it's it's just kind of dependent on what is coming up in, in the, in the circle of women too. Right. And some weeks it's very like body image focused. Some weeks it might be food focused. Some weeks it might be, okay, learning how to set boundaries. So it's kind of varied in that way. It's really dependent on what is, is needed, but the actual format is there is, you get a training every week released to you which is really awesome and you have lifetime access to the training of course and then there are exercises and I don't mean exercises like lifting weights but to help you dive deeper into the work and then that the intention of that obviously is to bring up all of this help you to go deeper and then whatever comes up you can bring that to the call so so you get a training every week and then we do those two coaching the two group coaching calls a week and then we also you also get two private sessions with me and those are like deep dive and I do a lot of energy work so um, I use some hypnotherapy techniques and I'm a meditation I was a I'm a certified yoga teacher so I'm all about meditation and so the hypnotherapy, that energy work is really, really helpful at getting into the subconscious. So that way, when you are, let's say you're like, I want to create a fitness routine that I can actually stick with that actually feels good in my current body, not longing for a body I used to have. In order to do that, you have to clear away all the shadows because otherwise you're putting strategy on top of shadows and then nothing ever sticks and you feel like you're always a failure. So we try to like work our way from the inside out. So you're creating healthy and sustainable behaviors that you can do forever as you age. 
because I'm not interested in quick fixes. I just, I can't do that. (laughs) So how often do these groups start? So it's an evergreen program. So women join, they can join whenever. And it, and that's actually really cool because like I had a a woman join, um, two weeks ago and she's in there with other women who've been in there for months. And so it's actually really cool because we all kind of support each other and, it's kind of a weird energetic universe thing, but I swear like someone will bring something to a call and all the other women are like, Oh my gosh, I'm doing this. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so you can, you can start, you can join when, whenever. Definitely want to do your program. Tell us a bit about your podcast. Yes. I launched my confident feminine body podcast on March 31st and I, it's been such a whirlwind journey. It's been awesome. Um, we have over 75 star reviews over 1500 downloads. Like it's, it's doing really, really well. And I feel so blessed because I feel like, I feel like women just need this support. You know, I I hear it all the time. People are like, I really want to work on my self-confidence and feel connected to myself. And that's just so my passion. So yeah, the podcast is, it's a combination of solo episodes and interviews. It's, it's been mostly interviews because I, I love doing interviews because I love talking to people. (laughs) Um, But I also, I'm going to be doing more solo episodes as well. So it's, it's great. And, and basically the podcast is all about, you know, everything we've been talking about, building your body confidence from within really remembering like your worthiness. We talk about intuitive eating. It's an anti-diet space. Um, so we don't talk about like weight loss or any of that. We talk about how to create healthy and sustainable practices that you can do for the long term. Um, and we talk about creating joy-filled movement practices and setting boundaries. And I did an episode with a couple different, um, uh, a sex therapist about how to have body confidence in bed and oh, nice. yeah. And really just topics that women are going to feel supported around is, is really what I'm into. So I'm excited. Oh, that is so great. Well, tell us all the ways, Elizabeth, we can find you and all your fabulous work. Yes, thank you. So Confident Feminine Body Podcast is everywhere podcasts are found. If you are interested in learning more about our 12-week Confident Feminine Body program, which is a mentorship program with me, you can go to talktoelizabeth.com and book a free 30-minute body confidence breakthrough session. And in that session, I can help you to identify kind of what, where your next steps are and where you want to go. And then if I'm the right person to support you, then we'll talk about what that would look like for you to join the program. And then I also on Instagram, follow me on Instagram at Elizabeth Marbury. And final thing, I have a Facebook group, which is pretty, pretty pop and it's fun. You can go to confident feminine body group.com to find that. Oh my gosh, you're such a gem. I can't wait to join your group and be on your podcast. Wow, you really moved me today. I gotta I gotta do some journaling. Thank you so much, Elizabeth. I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me. It was awesome. Well, that's it for our show today. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate you. 
And we would appreciate it if you could please rate and review and leave a comment because the more you engage with our podcast, the more you will find it and help other people find it wherever they listen to their podcast. So be sure to follow us. I'm at Andrea Donsky and at Naturally Savvy and Lisa at Lisa Davis MPH. Thank you so much. And please share this episode because the more you share shows you care. We'll see you next time.